1: Welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio for the second half of the show today. If you want to share your thoughts with us on the show, you can on the temperate bedshed text line. That is 0487 736 736, or you can call us on the open line 13 12 My next guest on the show, I think is a very special guest and we'll have a very interesting story to share with us. It is Ivan Omani. He's the executive producer of a documentary on Israel Folau, of course, Israel Folau, a superstar of rugby league, uh, a player in the AFL and a superstar of rugby union, An incredible sporting career and an incredible cultural collision story, I guess. And uh, Ivan has developed and produced a documentary on that. Ivan, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having us. Mate, you've got an extensive and impressive career. You've worked at the BBC, you've worked for CNN, you've worked for the ABC on Four Corners Productions and SBS. What moved you as part of uh, your company in films to produce a documentary on Israel Folau?
0: I think, uh, you know, like everybody back in um, the 2017 right through to 2019 when all these issues around Israel were playing out, I was deeply fascinated by it. Uh, In fact, in 2019, made my first approach to his team to see if he uh, was interested in in working with us on a film. Uh, At the time, I don't think we, you know, we stood much chance at all because everybody was smack in the middle of it. And then, um, you know, the production, uh, generally speaking, uh, cooled down a little bit during And then when the pandemic came to an end, um, everybody sprang into action again, and we realised that um, that sort of two years that had lapsed was probably exactly what the, what the series needed, you know, just the benefit of hindsight and a little bit of time to reflect on all these issues. And um, and that's when it kicked off in earnest.
1: So how hard was this to unwrap? Because it is a real cultural collision story, isn't it? It's, a, it's a sort of... a. Um, a the way society has involved on these issues and then Israel's own cultural background and his own beliefs on these issues almost colliding in the public eye and uh, and creating this tempest that um, that derailed the sporting career of one of our most extraordinary athletes
0: yeah absolutely look they say you know conflict is always a, a critical element of, of any compelling drama and there's certainly no shortage of conflict in, in the Israel Falau story um they're big conflicts too you know you're you're looking at a a clash of, of of modern day values um, you know, diversity and inclusion, and what happens when those two butt heads? Um, you're looking at a clash of freedoms. On the one hand, you've got the freedom of religion and expression. On the other hand, the freedom to live free from vilification, and then you've got a, an industrial relations clash. You know, basically looking at how far an employer can go in um, telling employees what they you know can and cannot do um, in their in their personal time online, and um, I think. Where it got interesting for us is in trying to find a way that didn't add to just the, the high level of polarization around uh, Falau's story, but to find a way to uh, counter that and to, um, to get people to, um, you know, to take that time and, and to think about everything that had happened and possibly view it through a new lens.
1: So was this done with the cooperation uh, of Israel and his people, or was it done as an independent view of, of the overall situation?
0: No, so it was definitely done as, a, as, an, in, as an independent view. Um, and the, uh, the cooperation with Israel has been complicated. Um, you know, we had really, really good chats with Anthony Picone, with his agent, who's been really good to deal with throughout. Uh, we offered Israel at various points, uh, you know, to partake in the series, um, even offered him to show uh, parts or, or, or parts of the show or indeed the entire show in order to show him that this wasn't a hatchet job uh, and to, you know, basically instill that trust in him that he, he could be uh, be part of this uh, that didn 't work out in the end. He decided not to uh, not to watch it uh, nor to grant an interview, but we did um, get to work with other people in his team so George Harris, uh the lawyer who led the uh, the charge against rugby Australia at the time. Is in the in the series and gives really incredible insights. And there were other people around Israel that have um, have worked with us in other ways to um, you know to help us with the information that we needed for the film.
1: And just as some background about In Films, which is your company, it was founded back in 2013 by yourself and uh, Neil Fulton, and it's a it's a company that champions human rights, social justice, um, and the arts. So you. Given where you're coming from, I suspect you're as well placed as anyone to to give an uh, even overview of what is a very complex issue.
0: Well, <laughs> we'd like to think so, but the proof will put in the pudding when it goes out tomorrow night, Mark. Um, uh, you know, I think uh, sport uh, is an incredible. Uh, lens, you know, through which to look at society, and um, in a way, we were incredibly lucky with this story because the issues that uh, that Israel's story throws up are, of course, not you know not confined to him. You know, there have been many many issues that uh, that had similarities. Whether it was um, at the Manly Sea Eagles, uh, whether it had to do with Kayla Moran when she tweeted about the uh, the Queen dying and you know people calling for her to to lose her job with the uh, Women's Night's team. Uh, or indeed, um, you know the issues that we've seen with netball, you know, and um, uh, I think that uh, uh, hopefully this will will help inform you know those conversations as well.
1: This was an extensive project. It was shot over two years in four countries, so Fiji, New Zealand, Australia, and Japan. It's a it's a big undertaking, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is uh, but that's part of the joy of it you know and and, and um, one of the reasons that we that we filmed overseas well obviously Fiji we went to because Israel was playing for Tonga uh, at the Pacific Nations Cup and we didn't want to miss that opportunity to um, to capture that part of the story you know it was kind of rugby Australia's loss was Tonga's gain I guess um, you know Japan we filmed there because uh, Samu uh Arabia was playing there at the time and um, New Zealand we uh, went to because uh, some of our uh, participants from the Pacifica community and especially the LGBTQI community uh, were over there and um, uh, you know had just incredible insights and lots of interesting things to uh, to say about the topic. but um, it was not easy to find those voices in Australia because people are worried about backlash and about community backlash and how it is received and so there was a, there were a lot of things to balance there
1: we want sporting people with personalities but do we really want their personalities or do we want them to have the personalities we want them to have in modern society um, by we, do you mean the sponsors? I mean, I mean everybody. The, the public that consumes this, if you like, and, and, uh, and expresses its views on it and uh, attempts to take action against people if we don't agree with them.
0: Yeah, well, I think we have a habit of you know, building people up and tearing them down. Um, and, and then giving them a, a shot at redemption again. So it'll be really interesting to see where this one ends. You know, I think as a sports person, um, just aside from Israel, from the conversation around Israel, uh, it's, it's it's hard to uh, to know what to do, right? Because if you're bland and, 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 and you never say what's on your mind, then that's what you become known for. Um, and when you're opinionated, people say, well, just stick to the sport you really can't win, it seems sometimes. So, um, you know, I would argue, I would rather have sports people with outspoken opinions. I think they make the world a more interesting place. Um, but, you know, there are ways and means to express those opinions.
1: Yeah, I guess if you want to use a sporting term, play the ball, not the man, I would imagine. So, so tackle the issue rather than tackle... Uh, and attack uh, the people who may represent a different side of the issue. It's an interesting paragraph from the notes I've got in front of me for this interview, Um, Ivan. It said, Tracking Israel's story from his record-setting rise through three footy codes to his dismissal by Rugby Australia after posting Bible verses widely perceived as homophobic. Falau is at once the story of a migrant family struggling to make good, a story of faith, colonialism, money and power. And it is also about who in modern day Australia gets a microphone when issues uh, issues get thorny. Uh, Give us your thoughts on that paragraph and what it means.
0: Well, for me, what that means is that um, uh, you know when we started looking at Israel's story originally, one of the things that struck us was that the people that were arguably the most affected by the issue—the the Pacifica people in the Pacifica community—and especially those from the LGBTQI community—were actually the people that we heard least from. You know, we heard from opinion writers, headline writers, you know, coaches, uh, you know, star players. But we barely ever heard from anybody within the Pacifica community, and so um, you know, one of the one of the big things that we set out to do was to make sure that their voices would be elevated in the series, and 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 would be uh, to a very large extent what would drive the series. And, and hopefully, when people watch the the series tomorrow, they'll 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 see that that's what uh, that's what's happened. And I think that's why it's become a really interesting project. You know, that goes beyond the the sort of normal levels of screaming that we've now become accustomed to when it comes to Folau.
1: How does Israel emerge from your documentary? It's a, a two-by-60-minute um, documentary, so there's a lot of detail and a lot of depth there. How do you think he comes out of it?
0: Um, that's a good question. Um, I think, he, think he, he, he comes out okay, actually. Um, I think people may not change their opinions about him. Uh, You know, people who who thought of him uh, uh, uncharitably after his his tweets and his posts. Um, You know, people who have always supported him will, you know, continue to do so. But I would like to think that at the very least, people will have a better understanding of how his belief system has come to be um, and to an extent, the um, the responsibility that um, we sort of, you know, uh, Eurocentric uh, folks um, carry responsibility for that by having exported our own, you know, rather fundamentalist beliefs once upon a time to the Pacific through our mercenaries, because that, um, you know, that type of conservative Christianity uh, didn't come out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, it's a really good point. What do you make of where the world is at on on things like this, but on things like cancel culture and, and and those sorts of things, Ivan? If you yeah, were if, if you I, were I, at I, the controls, I, how would you steer us from here?
0: You know, I think for for too long, at least for very long. Um, we have oversimplified issues and I think the media uh, which I'm a part of has, has you know bears responsibility for that as well of course. And we've oversimplified issues uh, in order to get the headlines in order to you know have clickbait online um, and I think it's meant that all of the complexity, that leads to the kind of you know nuanced conversations that you can have in order to reach middle ground on these issues has gone out of the window and um, uh, you know that has that has led to all kinds of um, i think uh, very unfortunate side effects like cancel culture you know why on earth you would cancel somebody for their opinions is beyond me. Just tackle those opinions, have the conversation. But actually muzzling people, I don't think ever, uh, you know, has been has been a good thing. So I'd like to think that we've turned a bit of a corner on that and that people are starting to realize that maybe, you know, it is better to try and, um, uh, and talk things through rather than just have a, you know, a, a, a rather extreme opinion on something and trying to shut everything down.
1: Tell us about Israel now. How's he doing, and uh, and what's his next step likely to be? From what you've seen, well,
0: um, so my understanding is that uh, uh, that he will continue to play rugby in Japan. I think I read the other day that he has just signed for the club, um, and I don't know whether that will be, you know, whether that will be the end of his playing career by the time that um, uh, that contract um, is finished. Um, I don't think there's much of a chance we'll see him you know, play in Australia again the way things currently are. Um, but who knows?
1: Because the thing that gets forgotten here is that this guy is an incredible athlete, isn't it? He was breaking records in rugby league uh, before he went to the AFL. I think the AFL was probably a, a very profitable mistake in terms of his sporting credibility because of all the sports he's played, it was the one he was least suited to. But then he went to Rugby Union and broke all sorts of records in Rugby Union and was clearly a standout athlete in the in the two rugby codes. And it's, it's amazing that that has almost been washed over um, in all this other stuff when it was his, his primary uh, purpose, if you like, when he set out.
0: Yeah. And look, I hope that, you know, when people watch the um, the series um, or episode one, when it goes out tomorrow, that they, you know, are reminded of that as well. Um, because there is a, you know, there is a great loss at the heart of all of it, right? All these victories that people claim to have were all Pyrrhic, you know, Israel, people said, oh, you know, he's walked away with millions, but, you know, he's banished. He can't play in Australia again. Um, and people go like, oh, well, you know, rugby Australia won because, you know, they, they were vindicated and, um, you know, they, they're they just as well off without him. And I think that's debatable as well. It's just, you know, it's just one of these stories where there really are no winners other than maybe uh, the fact that, um that the issues are now getting discussed and are now being debated. And, and maybe that's what it took.
1: Do you view it as a sad story or a, a story that will cause us to reflect, do you think?
0: Well, I don't think, I don't think those are mutually exclusive. You know, I think it is a sad story. Um, but I also think that, um, you know, if, if if the conversations that are had as a result of it lead to something better and a better way of dealing with these matters, then, uh, you know, perhaps that's the uh, the sort of light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Ivan, thank you very much for joining us on the show today and, and thank you for sharing our insights on what I think is a unique story in Australian sport, but it is a story that resonates and ripples into uh, other areas and issues that we're dealing with at the moment. Thank you for coming on the show. No, my pleasure. Thank you. Ivan Omani, he is the executive producer of the two part Israel for our doco which of course gets released this week uh, a, a fascinating insight into that and uh as i said i think a unique story about a unique sportsman in uh, in australian culture we'll take a break and be back with more of the show after the break give us your thoughts on the temperate bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or you can call us on the open line 131255